0: Hello and welcome to episode four of Design Build Test Repeat. I'm your host, Mike Kivakoski.
1: I'm Eric Bailey. And uh yeah, hey, how's it going?
0: <laughs> how you doing, bud? How uh oh you know. How have you been in the past like few weeks? Week. It's been it's been actually pretty short since our last one.
1: I know, man. You know it's it's feast or famine with you. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, no, I've been good. I uh, just wrapped up that previous project, getting started with the new one, kind of figuring out who's who and what's what and the lay of the land. So that's always kind of exciting. How about you? A whole brand new world. Um, The same. So I actually
0: wrapped up the project I was on uh, last week. And so going through that documentation and like wrapping up all the prototypes and workflows and stuff we had, we found we had... We had done 46 user interviews over the course of um, like three months of doing it. Yeah, so we, we had basically like 23 hours of, of video that we handed over. And so it was like 35.03 gigs of space and the, <laughs> the, the USB stick they had had like 35.1 gigs of space available. So it was
1: like a little nerve-wracking <laughs> moving that over. Yeah, it's like which one of these interviews could I technically get away with throwing away? <laughs> yeah,
0: but it was uh, it worked out well. So we did we had videos of each of each session, and we had like two to five sessions a week, depending upon like what we were testing and who who we had. And so those each got dropped into like their own folder, along with like the testing script and the notes, and then that was broken out into the folder by the different weeks. So that if they, if they want to go back, they can go back easily, look at a table of contents that kind of breaks out what each week tested and then go in and find the documentation on that testing and then pick out the specific videos that they want to watch.
1: That's, that's nice and tidy of you. Yeah, it was, um, pre- it was pretty organized.
0: Yeah. Um, it was, so talking with Sam Moore, who was on the project with me from Cantina, we kind of devised that little organization system. And I think, it, I mean, it's a pretty simple one, but... I think it seemed to do the job pretty well. So yeah, so I wrapped up that. Yeah. And then this week, I'm back, at, I'm back on the saddle again, if you will. Um, so I'm working not on the same project I was on last year, but it's like a sister company. So it's some of the same people that I know, but it's a lot of new people as well, building some new stuff. So I'm going back to development on this one. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked.
1: Yeah. It's it's the predator of the alien franchise. It's not directly connected, but <laughs> yeah. sure, it's that's not a direct sequel. It's it's but that's it's in exactly, the same universe. That's exactly it. Um but it's nice
0: like so this past week has been has been getting into like compiling, not I shouldn't say compiling, but like getting together a list of automated accessibility tools, linters, figuring out editor config. Um you know just trying to like get all the housekeeping stuff set up early on in the project so that we can try and keep control of that to make it like one less variable that's going to make life harder come January, February.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know we were definitely talking about that in the last podcast, but like, good God, lesson learned, you know, really good, really good defaults, just save your bacon in so many ways. Yeah, you can definitely disappear down that rabbit hole, but like, I think I think it's, it's a good thing to do, you know, at least in some degree. Well, what's nice about this project too is that it started... But we're still
0: getting requirements from the client and still working with them on what, on what we'll actually be building. So this past week has basically been like prototyping some architecture and figuring out how we'll set things up so that we can give recommendations. So it's actually been really nice to kind of have like a sandbox basically to play in. So we can kind of like go through these different options, figure out what's going to work, what's not going to work. So then it's not, you know, build this stuff in production And then find out we should have done something differently.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's just, yeah. (laughs) Um, The thing I'm kind of working on is, so it's interesting because it's something I've done before, but not at this scale. And I'm going to bring it around to like the thing I want to talk about this episode. So I've been kind of, I don't want to say I'm fighting the imposter syndrome, but I'm definitely kind of, the little ghost of it is kind of hovering behind me every once in a while. And so, like, I've been trying to kind of shake that feeling um, just because, like, it's something I've struggled with uh, in my professional career and, like, only recently kind of have started to really feel like I can work past it. And so, like, I was I was wondering if we could kind of just, you know, maybe talk about that a little bit for this episode, because it's, it's something that's kind of, I think, more widespread than we'd care to admit. Yeah,
0: for sure. I think we, that's... I think it's a great topic we can definitely jam on. Um, For people that aren't familiar, what is imposter syndrome?
1: Imposter syndrome, at least to me, uh, is sort of, you know, the the feeling that you don't belong there, that you're kind of a a big fraud and you're, you're moments away from kind of being discovered and that, you know. Your accomplishments and your successes are, are not under your direct control. It's like kind of happenstance or accident or, you know, not something that you've actually achieved as a person. Uh, how's, how does that sound to you? That <laughs> it sounds, it sounds about right. Um, it's a pretty crazy phenomenon
0: that I think I think eventually everybody in our industry like, comes across that at some point. And I think it tends to hinder a lot of people from like, sharing knowledge even. It's from like, uh, like people don't, people don't want to like write a blog post because they don't want to like suggest the wrong way to do it or they don't want to be critiqued about the way that they're doing it. So it's like this fear, fear of failure type of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, the internet is really definitely uh, guilty of this is people love, 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 love to point out that something is wrong or, you know, there's like that, there's that unfortunate like conflation of, um, you know, my opinion is is objective truth so therefore your your opinion is wrong <laughs> yep because you get you get the keyboard warriors that come out and i mean you know there are things that are kind of like true or false or this is a fact but it's kind of weird that a lot of a lot of this profession uh both in the dev world and the design world will boil down to you know it depends <laughs> and uh that that kind of uncertainty is just like I think it just kind of drives some people nuts. <laughs> it's it's really hard to hang, on. you know. It's really hard to admit that either you don't know or the answer is more complicated than true/false. Mm-hmm. So on on this project you're
0: on with you with you feeling bits and pieces of that. Can you dive? Can you dive deeper into what or why or what it is that?
1: Yeah, I mean it's. Yeah, it's it's some accessibility stuff, um, and it's you know I've I definitely have the background, um, but like you know I, I try to be a good doobie and like read all the articles and uh, follow all the right industry people on Twitter and you know stay you know keep an ear to the ground for what's what. Um, but you know the the kind of the weird effect of that is when you're just listening to the best and the brightest and it's like a constant fire hose. It really kind of like you're going to learn a lot, but you're also going to realize that, you know, not so much as you think you do. And, you know, intellectually, I know that what I'm building is exactly what they're asking for. It's comprehensive. You know, it ticks off all the boxes, but emotionally, it's kind of hard to just escape that like is there something else I'm missing? <laughs> like, is this good? <laughs> um, and then, you know, like, it's just, it's it's such a weird thing. And um, I, I also kind of just want to talk about it because I don't think as many people in our industry talk about it as much as they should. Because nobody, again, you know, to your point, nobody wants to admit failure. Nobody wants to look weak. I don't really particularly see myself as looking weak in this circumstance. It's just more like it's impossible to know everything. And the way our, our squishy little human brains work is we <laughs> it, it'll freak out about that. Yeah.
0: I saw a tweet the other day that was, um, you know, there's only one algorithm that developers need to know. And that's how to Google. Because it's, you know, there's... <laughs> There's just such a plethora of information out there that the ability to like retain all of it is impossible. So like,
1: yeah. And I think like, you know, it's especially for the web, like, you know, if if you don't like, if you don't like the current technology, just wait five minutes and you'll have some more options. (laughs) Like there's, there's just so much to know and you can always learn more. You can always kind of dig in deeper and deeper. Um, And wider and wider. And I think like perfect forever knowledge of everything is just is just this impossibility that people throw themselves against. And, you know, sometimes they burn out, sometimes they break, sometimes they walk away from the industry. And it's it's really awful. (laughs) Yeah, the burnout
0: and walking away from the industry, you see that more, not more and more, but you see that more often than you think that you would. Where people come in, they do about ten years or so, they get to a certain level, and then they kinda just say F it and go do something else. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna go build a boat with my bare hands.
0: Yeah, right. I mean I can I can understand wanting to like move away from sitting behind a computer or a device all day. Cause I mean, as as I realize like complaining about being a, like having a great job of working on the web is is very privileged of me to say. Like it gets, it gets long, like sitting behind a computer all week for years on end.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely takes its toll and, um, you know, I'm, I'm under the kind of the frame of mind that like a lot of dev and design work is, you know, it's a trade job, like, you know, like a plumber or an electrician, it just happens to be on a computer instead of at a, you know, at a workbench. And, uh, you know, with that comes all the weird little tolls of the job (laughs) and, uh, yeah. And it's, you know, I, I also wonder how much of this is pre- present in under other industries. Um, I do think it affects the technology sector a lot more than other, but like, you know, is is there the equivalent of me somewhere, you know, on a factory line or doing a, some accounting or something going like, man, I sure do hope this is the right way to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think I have two hypotheses about like why it's fairly prevalent in our industry, if you will, um, I think the first one being that you had touched on like new technology comes out every day. So, you know, even like build systems, it's like, are you using a build system? Oh no, you suck. Oh, you're not using grunt. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, you're not using gulp. Oh, you should be using Webpack. Like how fast stuff comes out and then people are expected to be an expert at that new technology. Like it's, it's fearful to try and keep up. And then if you don't know it, I think it's very hard to ask people for help.
1: I think one of my favorite little moments of that was like, I think it was Ember and it just came out and immediately you saw job postings for like must have seven years of experience in Ember. And like the (laughs) Ember itself was only, I think, like a year old at that point. So like, you know, there's... There's ripple effects to this kind of, this kind of stuff. And, you know, there's going to be somebody else on the other end of that who like may not be in the know and is just going to see, I've never heard of Ember. And there's people that have had, a de- you know, almost a decade of experience in it. What the hell? Like, what am I doing?
0: Right. And that, that's actually my second hypothesis. It would have been, it would have been amazing if we had planned that, but it's even more amazing that you can just read my mind through the computer right now.
1: But the magic.
0: (laughs) But the unrealistic job postings, you know, it's where you need someone that can do project user research, but is also an expert all the way down the chain in like JavaScript, or they want someone that knows like MySQL commands by hand, like two completely different realms, basically within the same industry. But these job postings are asking for that.
1: And I've definitely, I mean, that's a great point. Like, I've definitely not applied for jobs based off of their requirements, you know, for two reasons. One, you know, sometimes that just reads as a warning sign, and like, heck no, am I going to not, you know, I'm going to dodge that bullet as much as I possibly can. But, For the other ones, it's one of those, like, if they have the reputation and then the posting comes down the pipe like that, I'm like, this is for some superhuman that isn't me. And it kind of stinks and it's kind of depressing. So, like, I even wonder about, you know, the format of how these postings go out. And, like, obviously, the signal-to-noise ratio is pretty huge and, like, some companies even use automated systems to filter. But, like, I I wonder how many of those jobs would have been great matches for people that didn't think they were qualified
0: yeah or if they were too junior if you will so if you have someone that's a year or two out of school that's a really brilliant minded person and Mm -hmm. you know they're they want to focus on one area but you need someone that's going to do like this one task three times a year like is, is that really should you be putting that in the job posting for that for them
1: yeah. It's, it's like, it's like the bartender's dilemma. You know, you need, you need experience to get work and you need work to get experience. And so like, how do you fix that?
0: Yeah. And so I think, um, I forget who it was. I'll have to try and find it, but I'm a fan of reading the job posts. Not that I'm looking for a job, but I like to like peruse just to read them. Um, I like the job posts that talk not about like the hard skill. I th- I think I'd call it a hard skill, right? Your, your knowledge domains, but yeah, But more of, you know, this is what your day is going to look like. These are the team members that you'll probably interact with, like on a daily basis. These are the type of projects you'll be looking for. We're looking for someone that can do like some of these things. This stuff's nice to have, but like if you don't like doing it, like we're not going to have, we're not going to make you do this stuff. Like the, yeah, I think it, I think it depends. Like if you're coming from a lot of recruiters kind of have just like a list of bullets they're trying to check off. Or if mm-hmm. you're going towards, I think it's usually like smaller companies, they take a little more care about their messaging and like who they're hiring.
1: Yeah. And it it shows, I think. Another good one I've seen is like uh, what you'll learn while you're here. Oh, I love and love I that, that stuff. Yeah. Like I think that reinforces a really good point, which is that like, yes, you are applying for the job, but they're courting you as much as you're courting them. and you know, kind of get to go back to the theme, you got to remember that you're there for a reason and you're applying for a reason. And that reason is, you know, these, you know, these things and conceivably you'll be helping them enact these things. And that's, you know, that's powerful.
0: And then like going beyond that, when you start to learn these things and basically master them, and some of these things become like second nature to you. So let's say like, um let's say you've become a master of like some of the CSS methodologies, like you just you instinctively write like BEM or smacks or, or whatever, and you have someone that comes mm-hmm. into the project and they're not familiar with it. You know, it's you might be completely oblivious that that person doesn't or isn't familiar with this, where it's just become second yeah. nature to you. So now that poor person is afraid to ask you questions, or they just start hammering out classes on your stuff without like referencing anything. Yeah. And so it just causes like a rift, which I don't know if this actually pertains to imposter syndrome or not, or if just becoming like master of the craft and I'm just kind of rambling.
1: Well, a little bit of column A, I think and a little bit of column B, because like there's, you know, there's CSS, the language. So like knowing the properties, knowing the values, that kind of thing. And then there's sort of the the meta CSS. So like, you know, an approach like BEM has its pros and cons and that kind of thing. And I think one of those things that imposter syndrome definitely kind of would hammers into you is that fear of asking well why did you name it this like why are those weird little underlines because if I don't you know if I ask I could be construed as not knowing and not knowing in my mind is bad so they'll fire me or whatever because you know I didn't know this thing and that's that's weird because you know to your your point, you're just going to like create lots of problems unless you speak up.
0: Yeah. And that's a real fear. I mean, especially if you're a contractor or consulting, you know, a company's brought you in for some work and you don't know, you know, you know, like a whole bunch of this realm, but you don't know these few things. You're afraid to ask about those few things. Cause like you said, like you're, you think your potential job is on the line where there's a, there's a really good, oh, I have so many like nice references, but I can't think of any of them off the top of my head, but there's. It's, um, you know, what you think, what you think about people, and it's got like a little circle of like what you know, and then that's encompassed by like this giant circle of like what everybody else knows. And then the next comic frame is in reality, and it's a circle of what you know, and then it's circles that basically like touch the border of what you know, of what everybody else knows. So like you all know these little pieces of the pie so that you can share information, and it's not that... You no, know, you have to learn like this overwhelming piece of information.
1: Yeah, I think I think I know exactly what you're talking about, and that kind of that kind of reminds me actually. And this is more on the extreme end of things. Don't get me wrong, but um, a, a previous place I worked at, uh, the head of the department had this policy, which is basically to know some sort of part of the process or some sort of integral thing and sit on it and use that as job security. And he had a policy where anybody caught um Knowledge hoarding would be fired on the spot um and oh, I thought wow. for a little bit that 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 was you know that was kind of like hyperbole and then I watched it happen to a you know a pretty senior engineer um and the point was definitely made, which is like he wanted to create an environment not of fear but basically where you know the free exchange of ideas. Wasn't going to be like seen as weakness, um, and then he wanted people knowing things, and he wanted to make sure that people didn't rely on just some weird little factoid to, to you know to lord over everybody else <laughs> as their way of getting a paycheck. And you know, it, again, it's a, it's a bit extreme, but I always kind of respected having the wherewithal to to actually follow through on somebody who was going re- directly against something he so you know he he believed in so passionately.
0: I think that's awesome. I think it's very hard to pull a culture, an office culture like that off, but I think that's amazing. And then to be able to like see it firsthand, I mean, it sucks for the person that was fired, but for the transparency of the, of the organization, I mean, that's, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, again, you know, it, it really, it just hurts the organization if you don't, (laughs) if you don't. I've, uh,
0: I've thought um, to help keep transparency open, if you have, So I don't know how this would like actually work logistically, but to keep transparency open, basically at like the end of day Friday, so let's say it's quarter five, um, someone from the team or from the company, their name is pulled out of a hat. And then they're basically like they're forced vacation that following week, like no email, no texts, like you can't, you can't contact them at all to try and force Mm -hmm. or try to like highly encourage everyone to be very transparent keep all documentation and everything whether it's in like Slack or HitChat or Dropbox or Google Drive available to okay. everyone else because you never know like who's going to be out that next week so yeah. like you're always you're always planning for that and then basically like somehow rotate that through the team or the office so you're also forcing people I don't like I don't like the term forcing because it it feels like it has like a negative connotation but you're you're encouraging people to take vacation and take time off and recharge and then come back to the mm-hmm. office prepared. And then you're also encouraging people to be transparent and like create this community within the company so that people can thrive. So like when people move on or people come or people join the team, you know, it's much, e- it's a much easier transition on both ends.
1: Yeah. This, uh, actually the same employer had a, um, another idea I kind of like, which is it's it's morbid, you know, I'm kind of like illustrating his personality through little windows, but uh, he called them bus files, which was, if you're hit by a bus, what do we need to know? Oh, um, um, not in terms of emergency contact, because, you know, obviously HR has that, but like, what are the things that live in your head that enable things to run or what things, you know, wouldn't be immediately apparent to us, you know, for these critical systems, And that kind of thing. And like that always that kind of knowledge dump also kind of, you know, it reminds me of your forced forced vacation kind of thing where it's like, if I disappear for a week, you know, is everything going to come to a screeching halt? And if it does, is this indicative of bigger problems?
0: Yeah. And it's and it always seems like when you take a vacation, like the three to five days prior to vacation is always madness because you're trying to get like everything done and everything transparent anyways. So that they can work, mm-hmm. they can ideally work without you. But it was like if that if yeah. that was system was set up already, could you then reduce like the stress for the week before vacation?
1: Yeah, yeah, I I, I kind of wonder about that a lot, especially you know if if the lack of that kind of leads people to not take vacation. That's another kind of messed up thing about this industry is uh, people tend to see vacation time as weakness, and uh, certain companies have actually exploited this you know, through, you know, open vacation policies and stuff like that, where a butt not in a chair, if you're not there, you're clearly not a team player. And, you know, it's, it's tricky. It's very tricky. <laughs> and then you get, when you run into
0: instances of like unlimited vacation, like what is, what does that actually mean? Like, can you go on vacation for six months? Like, mm-hmm. It's like all these references I'm talking about, they'll all be on the show notes and you can find those at dbtr.fm. I apologize for not knowing it all off the top of my head. It's it's one big blur. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just imposter syndroming this this podcast. <laughs> but there's one company that will pay you to go on vacation, and then there's another one that you need like they have a minimum. I think it's two or three weeks that like you have to take, and they like that's part of their policy is forcing people to get out of the office because there have been all kinds of studies about like when people take regular vacations, like how much more productive they actually are. On their day-to-day yeah, work.
1: Yeah, there's also been that, that study of just the length of time during the day where like any more and you tend to get diminishing returns because, you know, it's a fallacy that more more time in one continuous stretch equals better, you know, more better. Um, and it, it takes its toll. Uh, you know, actually, incidentally, there's there's two kind of resources um, i just like to kind of plug, uh, and that's uh, Prompt, which is mhprompt.org. And um, OSMI the open sourcing mental illness uh, which is osmihelp.org uh, both of these are pretty recent um and they're just sort of resources and help articles and kind of uh events for for the technology industry for uh, people kind of struggling with mental health issues and i think it's great that you know they have the courage to kind of speak up and break these stigmas down that's
0: awesome i'm not i'm not familiar with either one of those but that's that's awesome to hear and i'm going to i'm going to check it out myself
1: yeah yeah so um, I actually want to talk uh, kind of about the opposite end of imposter syndrome, because there's this also like weird phenomenon where I think there's actually some utility to it. Well, I think the opposite, you know, the opposite of of imposter syndrome, I think, is arrogance. And that's can be dangerous as well. Um, so like, you know, at least personally, I think one of the benefits of being under its thumb for so long is trying to learn as much as I possibly could and like never assuming that I had perfect knowledge and never kind of being content um, to just sort of stop in my career. And I, I think that's not insignificant to kind of point out. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying you should ignore these feelings, but I'm also not saying you should be chained by them either. So it, it's
0: weird. It's, it's an interesting, not necessarily a line to walk, but, you know, it's, it's somewhere in our industry because things change, like you do always have to learn. But at the same time, you're never going to mm-hmm. learn everything, so like reach out to people that know that other domain knowledge, whatever that may be and then it really i mean it really comes down to teamwork like you can't you can't be one person doing everything
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 nice to be able to um, lean on your coworkers cuz you know again they're they're there to help you as much as you're there to help them so it's 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 a really good feeling when somebody's got your back
0: yeah big time and if if you're unfortunate enough to work at a place that like doesn't have that type of culture then i mean it's time to put together like the resume and start looking for like the good job postings that we were talking about finding a new job sucks but working in a toxic work environment for the next Five years of your life is even worse.
1: Yeah. And like, it's also, you know, good jobs can go bad and bad jobs can go good. And sometimes a good job can have a bad period and a bad job can have a good period. You know, you got to kind of weigh and evaluate. And also, you know, how much you want to put into maybe changing that corporate environment or, you know, like addressing these issues. It's it's definitely also something you can kind of be the change you want to see, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so philosophical, philosophical, philosoph. Eh
0: whatever it's Velocir- velociraptor it's very velociraptor of you so with yeah. with your, <laughs> I'm with your right <laughs> uh with your encounter of imposter recently, what's your next proactive state to try and like conquer it move, move past it i don't know
1: yeah i i hit up um a, a coworker and I ran it by him to sort of have a, like a gut check and you know. He gave some really good critiques for some stuff that I've incorporated. And like, you know, that wasn't, you know, being able to handle a critique is also a really nice skill to have because, you know, it wasn't a slight against my personality or anything. It was just like, oh, okay, yeah, I can definitely see your point and put it in and it's ultimately better for it. Uh, And then, you know, I guess the other thing is just you get over it by doing it and a little bit more and a little bit more every time, you know, it becomes more second nature. So that's kind of the plan. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Um, and with
0: with critiques, actually, because so you edited or critique critiqued edited edited, I guess my recent blog post, and my grammar is atrocious, and so you you thrashed that thing, which made it much better, and I'm I'm thankful for. Um, I'm, I'm sorry for the things I did. No, no, no. It's so it's much better off. The it's much better off now than it was, and so I think that I think handle like learning to handle a critique is something. Like you get better at over time, but how do you go about, and this could actually be a whole podcast in itself, but like, how do you go about giving a critique or constructive criticism, uh, constructive feedback to someone, you know, without having that arrogance or without, you know, cause it takes a lot to like reach out for help. How, any suggestions on how to do that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, tricky. Um, I know. Critiques are like minefields, man. Because um, like you can be purely objective and you're only half of the equation. <laughs> 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 so, you know, I don't know. Maybe we should. Yeah. Maybe we should save that for for another podcast because like that's a that's an hour in itself. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, all right.
0: So then for folks listening, come, come back. Bullet dodged. Uh, sign up to our RSS feed. Uh, subscribe to us through iTunes or find us at dbtr.fm, and we'll spend an entire episode talking about critiques uh, sometime in the future. If that's that's yeah, that's a nice you know. little clickbait clickbait uh, yeah. title. Eight tips to make your critiques better. People who liked this may also enjoy. <laughs> With one simple trick, they made critiques better. You won't believe how.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Designers hate this man. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, we're uh, funny. All right, yes, so, and good looking. Uh, so yeah, I'm feeling good about this. Um, I think you know, obviously we're gonna we're gonna throw we're gonna throw all these resources we've talked about into the show notes. Um, love to hear from you if you've sort of have something you'd like to talk about as a guest. Uh, maybe some experiences with imposter syndrome. Uh, Good bosses, bad bosses, and anything we'd love—we definitely love to hear from you. Uh, you can reach us at again at dbtrfm FM uh, or on Twitter uh, at DBTR Podcast uh, or at Eric W Bailey, or you can hit up Mike at.
0: Are you looking for my Twitter handle? So you can find you can find me on Twitter at M Kivakoski. Uh, you can find the spelling on the website, and we also have a brand new email address, so you can email us if you'd prefer dbtr at cantina.com. That's right. Yeah. We're big leagues now. I know cooking with gas. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening to us today. Ramble. And like Eric said, please get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, We're looking for people to be guests on the show or for topics. Just a ramble. You can hang out with us for five or 10 minutes, or you can hang out for the entire show. Totally up to you. Uh, But until next time, folks, thanks so much. Bye.